0: Hello and welcome to CFB Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. I'm joined, as always, by Xavier Trish. You can find him on Twitter at Xavier underscore Trish, T R I C H E. And at CFB Winning Edge, it's Nicholas Ian Allen. Nick, how was your week 12? 13. It was, uh... I, did it again. <laughs> I did it again. I do it every time. I'm one week Actually, off. Future. It's because I record my NFL show right before this one. That's why. So, sorry. No worries. I Can't believe I did it again. But anyway, how was your week 13? It was good.
1: It was good. It was, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a light slate from a, uh, a great games perspective, I guess. You know, coming into it didn't have a whole lot of hype. Uh, nothing compared really to, to this week and next week, obviously. Uh, championship games on the horizon, big rivalry games this week. And we've got five ranked matchups this week which is the most i remember uh all season so that's uh ending on a high note from a just pure excitement standpoint but uh, as far as last week goes it it was um you know solid overall we got a, a big upset oregon got knocked off uh pretty exciting helped clear some things up maybe uh in the uh uh you know the the Pac-12 race, whether or not they'll be able to, to make it into the uh, actual playoff conversation. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was a good week, strong week. Uh, kind of sad that we're coming to a close here.
0: I know. This is the last uh, full slate weekend, Xavier. How do you feel about that?
2: It's saddening. It's just it's so saddening. It, it, the college football comes and goes way too fast every year, um, and especially when your team bad per se it goes by a little <laughs> bit faster because uh, you don't have to necessarily you don't have to stress that comes with it necessarily uh week week 13 was awesome uh Ball got another ranked victory uh this week um making the pac-12 even more of a confusing conference than it already was um <laughs> uh, bama fans were rejoicing on twitter which is a scary idea but hey that's that's their uh, mo right now um
0: and, yeah, we'll get into the other games
2: that happened, but it was a fun week. I, I really enjoyed Week 13.
0: Yeah. More so
2: because I was able to sit down and actually watch games.
0: I, I thought, oh, yeah, of course, you know, uh, no class. Uh, I, I think that um, uh, Ohio State and Penn State was kind of a boring mm-hmm. game, but it was like Penn State was in it, so you couldn't really, like you couldn't flip away from it. It was never one of those where it was, okay, you know, uh, this game is in the bag. Let, let's let just right. go watch something else. Because they kept it close enough, but it was kind of grinding. Uh, I'm, I was surprised West Virginia held in so, so long on that one. But, um, you know, there were definitely... I, I hate... Maybe maybe it's just me, but you guys can tell me. Do you hate the fact that Alabama and, and Auburn just both have cupcakes the week before the Iron Ball? Oh, it- yeah, I mean, it's
1: it's a little bit of a, a downer. I, I certainly understand it. You know, you you want you have your, your biggest rival on the horizon, uh, arguably most important game uh, of the season, and, and a lot of times has SEC championship implications, things like that. So I, I do understand the thought of, hey, let's have a, a week where we can uh, slow things down a little bit, maybe rest some guys, get healthy, um, it, it's not exactly a buy, but it's uh, almost like one because you can, uh, you know, these teams, uh, we, we, we preach, you know, or, or the coaches preach not looking ahead. But in this sort of situation, you know that there's an extra week of prep going on, you know, ahead of uh, looking ahead at Auburn instead of Western Carolina, that, that sort of thing. So uh, I do understand it from a preparation standpoint. Uh, standpoint. But as a fan, you know, I would much rather see uh, an SEC game where something is actually on the line uh, the week, you know, in, in week 13. So uh, I do see both sides, but uh, it, it's, it certainly is a little bit of a letdown from a fan perspective.
2: Oh, well, it ticks me off. <laughs> I, hate it. I, I genuinely do. It's November. At no point after the month of October should we be ta- be talking about cupcake games, and they get the and then it's not like they even schedule people of notoriety that have any opportunity of making it close. They last year, I believe, they played the Citadel at uh, Alabama did, and it was kind of close. But you were like, "But why?" <laughs> I, I wanted to see them play. I want to see them play. Even if it's a cupcake SEC team, push Ole Miss into that, that time. Yeah, make Arkansas it world, like, or somebody. Yeah. Right, yeah. Or it uh, has some implication.
0: I'm with you. Yeah. Like, make it make it at least someone that's familiar, a familiar rival. Make it a bad team, whatever. But uh, don't make it Western Carolina. Western Carolina. Yeah, or Samford. <laughs> Give me a break, Jeez, guys. What man. are you doing here? But uh, let's take a look back at the games that we went over last week and we can start off with my terrible game. Uh, Baylor over Texas 24-10. Nick, uh, this game, uh, our, our, the CFB winning edge score uh, had had it, if my computer will uh, work with me, 35-27. It's a little bit lower scoring than we thought. And Baylor won by double digits. Was that surprising?
1: Well, we we did have Baylor to cover. Obviously, we expected more points. I'm a little bit surprised. That the Texas offense has really um, the last few weeks has, has just not been uh, explosive in, in any way, and, and uh, Baylor was up twenty four to three, and Texas got a, a late touchdown. So this game really was not as close as even that final score would indicate. So pretty impressive performance from the Baylor defense, but uh, on the on the you know same note disappointing from a Texas offensive perspective. They just uh, couldn't get going. And it, it was the second week in a row that uh, watching Texas, I came away really disappointed with how they played offensively because that's something that we were able to lean on uh, or count on from Texas earlier in the year. But uh, it just hasn't been there the last couple of weeks. And, and, you know, six and five obviously is a disappointment for Texas fans here and a lot of uh, concerns being voiced the last few weeks based on how this team has played. And we've talked seemingly every week about how banged up they are, but uh, Baylor has not been the healthiest team this year. And they've been able to uh, come out. And and in some cases, as we have mentioned, they've uh, been fortunate to get away with a win. And and this was not one of those games. Baylor came out and just sort of uh, controlled the entire game and and came away with a a pretty solid win and and, uh, has an opportunity now if they can get by kansas uh to uh have one loss in the big 12 championship game if they're able to knock off oklahoma depending on what else happens who knows uh this could be a team potentially long shot but uh, has a shot maybe to sneak in uh to the playoff
0: yeah i mean you know it it sucks for my longhorns and you know i can complain about them but the story is baylor right xavier i mean baylor has been great this year and it's funny i think if i told you at any point this week that both these teams are going to have 391 yards on the nose and that texas is going to win the turnover battle by one there's probably not a chance you would have picked baylor but baylor wins this game they just keep finding ways to win
2: yeah and i think that ticks me off the most about this baylor team um is that this is probably i'd say this is the third game in the last four weeks in which they were either outplayed or at least played to an equal amount. And, you know, for whatever reason, maybe it was at home. You know, I, I, maybe it's, you know, Nixon and love letters to Matt Rule. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but this they, they continue to get it done. So I, I won't slander them as much as I have in previous weeks. Uh, for Texas, they just haven't been able to get it done. And it's unfortunate because I really came into this year thinking that Texas was going to do more and challenge more in the uh, in the Big Twelve. And even after watching them lose to uh, LSU and Oklahoma, I still felt like they were going to be a contender in the Big Twelve. Uh, down the stretch, they just not have not been able to get it done. I believe if they won this game, they had they were going to the Big Twelve championship game, right? Or they had an opportunity to correct.
0: Yeah, yeah, so okay. Uh, I I don't know yeah. uh, this. Uh, God, I'm sorry. I I can't even. Sam Ellinger, just seeing his stupid picture makes me mad. I'm 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 frustrated with this year, six and five. I don't like all the fire Herman hype and all that stuff, but and here I go. Yeah, like I said, Baylor's a story here. Baylor has a chance to make the playoff. I mean, do you, do you think they should be in the discussions? Xavier,
2: absolutely not. Um, you're you're, you're ranked 14, and unless like unless they steamroll Oklahoma in the, in the Big 12 championship game, there's really nothing you can say. They have only had one ranked team on their schedule. It was Texas. Uh, it was Oklahoma, and they lost every other game. And, and they haven't been winning impressively either. They don't even get the, you know, the forty point blowouts that you need with their strength of schedule to make a mark and make a uh, case for the playoff. Um, like I said, unless they steamroll Oklahoma in the Big Twelve Championship game by, you know, by the score we all thought was going to happen when they played them earlier this year, that I don't see them having any case whatsoever, uh, even as possibly a one loss champion uh, conference champion.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of with you And this was the, this was the same type of uh, concern that I expressed preseason with Oklahoma and the schedule. I said, if Texas isn't good, who do they play on this schedule that, Puts them in the playoff, even if they are undefeated, and they're not either, obviously. So uh, I, I don't know. It's um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this comes down to the wire. But I'm with you. I don't think Baylor should be in it either. Nick, do you think Baylor should be in the discussion? Well, I
1: it, it's interesting. I've been thinking about it, and, and uh, not specifically to Baylor, but just sort of how I see. The playoff discussion and and a lot of people uh have focused on which team is best you know quote unquote best and what does that mean to each person and and should a a team that is you know the most talented the uh the one that the analytics uh say is best should a team like that uh this year you know alabama might be one of those teams they're still in my top three as far as both the team strength as far as their team performance. Uh, so, you know, and, and I know a lot of uh, computer systems out there still have Alabama ranked ahead of LSU. And so there is a, a sense among uh, some of the, uh, you know, college football public that, that takes those sort of things into account that, hey, you know, Alabama should be, and they are one of the best teams. Um, but I actually sort of find my, my personal beliefs uh, maybe going a little more the other way. I think I'm starting to to really uh, fall in line on the which team is most deserving, and I think it does matter. You know what what games you have won. Uh, I, I you know I see some people, some very smart people, who uh, get really bent out of shape when they talk about how many losses a teams a team has. You know, and, and they might say it doesn't matter. You know, uh, it's sort of the old thing. It doesn't matter how, if you win or lose, it's how you play the game, you know, based on uh, statistics and, and things like that, sort of is what their their talking well, point is. Yeah,
0: but. I mean, but at that point, why even bother playing the games, right? Yeah, you know, right. Exactly. The, and then teams on paper uh, in.
1: That's exactly yeah. the point. and And that's what I'm, uh, I just sort of find myself coming back to is hey you know we these games matter and the final score matters there is a uh, there is a clock there is a scoreboard though you know the, those sort of things matter and so uh some you know some argument is why does uh, why are we putting this geographical emphasis you know just based on what these teams you know who these teams have played why does it matter if they win a, a a conference championship that doesn't really matter. It's just a bunch of teams that got together and and decided they're going to play one another. Well, you know, I'm starting to believe more and more that, yeah, actually, a conference championship should matter. And and so on that note, you know, thinking of that, my take personally, uh, a one-loss Baylor team that has obviously, you know, gotten, gotten, uh by and in some close situations to get some not great teams. I I would not say that they have a better resume or at this point are more deserving than many other teams. But if we have a, you know, a chaos weekend and and some of, you know, three or four of the, the highest ranked teams lose, Baylor wins and then goes on to beat Oklahoma uh and their standing is maybe one of three, one loss teams or something like that, just theoretically, then yeah, I think maybe they do have uh, a case. Um, but you know, from a, from a pure team strength standpoint, Baylor's still outside my top 10 and, and, and the playoff committee has them ninth in the most recent ranking. So that's a pretty big hill to climb. A lot of things have to go their way. It's, it's a long, long shot. Uh, but if certain things were to happen and, and they were uh, able to take advantage and, and beat Oklahoma and have some teams in front of them lose, then I think there could be a case to be made. But it, it's a long shot. I mean, they're, they're probably the team that's, uh, you know, the one loss team that has the, the uh, hardest time, the, the toughest case to make. Uh, so I do not expect it, but I could see a scenario where uh, perhaps they are, one of the more deserving teams, but a lot of things are going to have to go their way for that to happen.
0: Yeah. I just, uh, it, it, it's an interesting case and we'll have to see with the, uh, conference title game, what happens with all that stuff. But I'm with you. Like, you know, the, the conference, the, you don't play the conference championship for nothing to sell a hat, you know, for conference champions or whatever. I mean, that's definitely part of it, but you, you know, you play it to, to, improving the standings and crowned a champion of your yeah. conference. So it just makes too much sense. I- I'm with you. What about the AM and m uh, and Georgia game from last week, guys? Wh- what did you see in that one as uh, Georgia wins maybe the most boring game in the history of football, 19 <laughs> to 13? Uh,
1: in, in a lot of ways, I think it played out similarly to how we uh, expected it to. We did have a higher uh, score, you know, uh, had Georgia – scoring uh, one more touchdown uh as far as our final score prediction from from CFB winning edge went so uh not not a big surprise that Georgia came up short there as far as uh you know points on the on the scoreboard but uh Texas A&M played it close and and Georgia was able to to jump out to an early lead and similar to the way that they played Auburn uh, a couple of weeks ago uh they were able to to Jump out quick enough and hold down the opponent long enough that they just weren't able to, to, you know, come back and win the game. And Texas A&M had plenty of opportunities in the fourth quarter. They had gotten, you know, uh, multiple um, possessions with a chance to uh, take the lead, but uh, Georgia showed up when it when it mattered most, and they were able to uh, do just enough yet again to to pick up a win. So uh, they positioned themselves. Uh, really well, obviously. In the in the uh, playoff conversation, they're in the thick of it, having been the number four team the last few weeks. So, uh, all they have to do is take care of business from this point. Beat Georgia Tech. This week and and, uh, knock off LSU, which is no small task. But uh, if they were to do that, then they're sitting pretty uh, for a chance to make a run in the playoffs. But, you know, obviously still some concerns on the offensive side of the football. This has not been an explosive offense. This has not been um, somebody that uh, puts, you know, the fear into the opponent on the offensive side of the football. So uh, not not sure if that's in them. They haven't really shown it enough yet especially in the second half of the season so that is a concern if they do uh you know get well it is a concern against lsu obviously because lsu can put a lot of points on the board really quickly um so something to watch for sure but if they're able to get past that game get past lsu and get into the playoff it's going to be a major concern against some of those elite offenses for georgia to be able to try to keep up with them
0: xavier i mean did you watch this game and was my assessment of it correct (laughs)
2: Oh, yeah, it it definitely was boring. It was – if you're an old-fashioned SEC fan, you probably were were salivating uh, because this is exactly how you grew up watching football. Uh, But it it, it was a rather boring game. But it it continues the narrative that Georgia's had all year, which is their defense is impeccable. This is the – I think they they have yet to give up 20 points to an offense all season. Um, And the defense continues to ball out, giving up negative one rushing yards, uh, which is ridiculous. And the offense continues to sputter along. And and, and one of those, uh, in law of averages, is you're waiting for one of them to give. You're waiting for either the offense to explode for a game or you're waiting for the defense to finally meet its match. Um, so we'll see what happens. Obviously, that won't happen this week against Tech. Uh, but uh, the SEC Championship game obviously is a circle. Um, you're playing one of the best offenses in the country against one of the best defenses in the country. And uh, something's got to give in that game. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, I will say that uh if i had to put my money on it i'd say that the offense would figure it out before the defense gives up 40 uh it's just simply because i feel like the offense especially this week just missing open passes from just was not on it uh luckily for him the running game was and uh, they were able to walk away with a victory
0: yeah it was uh i mean you know not it's an important game because uh they they had to win it to kind of keep pace here And they have given up twenty one time, and that was when in the loss twenty to seventeen they lost to South Carolina. So, and
1: and some of that was a South Carolina pick six. Pick six. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh,
0: Not uh, not surprising. Georgia, a very very good team, and uh, I don't know. I I think um, it's going to be tough for them to get into the playoff. They're in it right now. Obviously, you control your destiny. You just beat LSU, but. I don't think that's going to happen. We'll talk about that when we get to it, though. Uh, And then the last game that we went over last week because of the shortness of the week and the matchups weren't great and all that good stuff. But Ohio State and Penn State, Ohio State wins 28-17 here, Nick. What did you see in this one?
1: Well, I uh, sort of the the first thought to me when you were describing it earlier, kind of a boring game and and, – you know, Penn State kept it close the the whole time. When I was watching it, I, I thought it got very, very close to an Ohio State blowout. I mean, they jumped out to a twenty-one to nothing lead, and then uh, had an opportunity for even uh, more. But Justin Fields fumbled at the goal line, and what would have been a touchdown uh, banged up his his hand, which didn't I haven't they, heard. Didn't they
0: go? Didn't they miss one on downs too? Give it up on fourth down mm-hmm. or something too?
1: So Ohio State. Had an opportunity. they They went up fourteen uh, nothing in the first half. but Ohio State lost three fumbles. Uh, across the first three quarters that uh, were on drives, had opportunities to really put the game away. They allowed Penn State to stay in it uh, because of those fumbles, one of which was Justin Fields at the goal line, fumbled on his way in uh, just, you know, inches from uh, potentially, you know, the dagger to put the game away. And then on that same play, banged up his hand it was one of two times I noticed that that he was uh really favoring his hand took a hard hit uh so that's something I think to watch we'll get into later is is he actually uh going to be healthy enough this week because you know it's difficult to to grip the ball throw the ball all those sort of things and and um they just sort of allowed Penn State to stay in it long enough to, to make it a game. Penn State did have an opportunity to go down and, and uh, take a lead, but the Ohio State defense, which statistically is the best in the nation, uh, was able to, to rise up and, and keep them at bay. But uh, it was good to see Ohio State get tested. Um, I think they did pretty much control this game and and for a while it was looking like because our final score uh projection was 31 to 10 that looked uh reasonable uh but ohio state you know the the um the mistakes on offense the fumbles that uh they were able to to uh or they basically gifted penn state um kept it closer probably than it should have been but uh, you know, now Ohio State has been tested. They faced a good team. They survived that test. They have another one coming up, so it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, what what did they learn from last week, from getting tested, from giving a team an opportunity to get back in the game and, and then having to rise up and, and, you know, squash that down. So, uh, solid effort again. Ohio State, anytime you beat a, a top 10 team, uh, it's it's important. It's a big win. This has been arguably the best team in the nation and and they found a way to win it found a way to stay on top and and uh basically at this point it seems that they might even have uh, a gimme if they were to lose to michigan or if they were to lose in the big 10 championship game uh, a lot of scenarios would suggest that they probably still get in the playoff just based on how well they played all year so they put themselves in position to be successful no matter what and uh you know a, a big win important win
0: yeah, I mean, Xavier, is that kind of how you saw this game going to Ohio State uh, beating Penn State? When you look at the final score, it looks closer than it actually was, and but Ohio State stays impressive.
2: Well, I mean, that's what it looks like. But personally, I think we saw Penn State play what they normally do. Penn State is a one-half football team. They have been all year, and guess what they did? They get put up 17 points in one half of football. I think what you have to see, what we, what we have to see most importantly is Nick's right. Ohio State at one point in this game got punched in the mouth, um, you know, and many would say, well, they bounced back in the fourth quarter, scoring a touchdown, putting the game pretty much away. But I'd, I'd just like to, to, to put that out there right away that giving up 17 points in a quarter is not, it, it has to be room for some type of concern, especially with a Penn State offense that hasn't been great all year. They've been up and down. And obviously, they played only a one half of football uh, per game, but I, it was it was really good to see them uh, have to come back and have to really put the dagger down. Um, I think going forward, I don't know if I necessarily agree with what you said, Nick. If they lose to Michigan, I don't know if they get in, simply because I think Utah still controls its own destiny. I'm at six right now, and I don't know if you'll put them in. I, I don't know. It all, it all it all kind of depends because then it all depends on how far they how far they fall if they lost to Michigan um, or Minnesota in the uh, Big Ten championship game. It all kind of just depends on that point. Uh, but no, I, it was good to see them bounce back. It was good to see them, you know, have some adversity. Uh, Chase Young is ridiculous. He Come back and look like he never left. Uh, but yeah. Uh, good win for Ohio State, and, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to this game against Michigan, because both of these teams are, you can honestly say Michigan might be the the hotter team coming in, uh, but Ohio State obviously has yet to lose this year, so you can't really take anything away from them either.
0: Yeah, and and it's uh, it's going to be a fun week for sure, and let's dive right into it here, and we're going to start, Nick. With the game on Friday, it's Cincinnati at Memphis. Uh, Memphis is favored by 11 and a half. Uh, 57 and a half is the current over on this one. Uh, I know fantasy nerds like me are concerned about who are we starting here between uh, Patrick Taylor and Kenneth Gainwell in this game uh, because Kenneth Gainwell didn't score any of the touchdowns last week. It was all... Uh, it, it was all Patrick Taylor but uh, just one of the small points 19 versus 18 here on Friday afternoon how do you see this one going
1: well this this is obviously a huge game in the American uh, Athletic Conference and and it could potentially be a you know they might play back to back in the AAC championship game uh, I was surprised when this line came out to see that Memphis was an 11. 11- Point eleven and a half point favorite. Uh, our numbers see it as, as closer, about a, a touchdown difference between the two. And uh, really, our numbers for the most part have been uh, kind of kind of low on Cincinnati all year. I, I uh, made some Cincinnati fans mad in the preseason. Uh, I, I posted our preseason one through one thirty. Uh, we published it through Fansided.com and had a write up for each team. And Cincinnati, really, just uh, the way our preseason projections went uh we saw them taking a a big step back from 2018 and and they returned a lot of production on both sides of the football but they played a tougher schedule um and yeah just uh uh, had a lot of opportunities for toss-up games and so they were in our uh 50s preseason and and we actually had them projected i think to uh basically finish 500 and, and they have completely um just just you know showed up proved us wrong on on that cincinnati has been excellent they have uh slowed down however offensively in recent weeks and that's a little bit of a concern because memphis has really uh sort of taken it up a notch on offense and and they've been solid you know they, they were solid all year but i think in the early weeks of the of the season we thought maybe uh particularly in in game one when they Uh, played Ole Miss and were held to fewer than than 20 points it seemed that maybe this Memphis team was going to have to rely a little more on its defense but then here comes Kenneth Gainwell and has been one of the the top running backs in the country he's been incredible a weapon on both offense or excuse me uh, as a runner and a receiver Um, and Patrick Taylor coming back I think only helps because he did uh for the first time since that old Miss game, when he put up some really good uh, numbers and, and then uh, was just, uh, it seemed like, you know, is he coming back this week, is he coming back this week for the next 12 weeks? Uh, he finally uh, saw a little bit of action two weeks ago, but last week was the first time we've really seen him get some extended carries and the two uh, basically split. And, and I think for Memphis as a whole, that's a good thing because when you've got two dynamic running backs who can uh, hurt you in a variety of ways, you know two is better than one and, and one was already really, really good. So um, this is Memphis has been uh, one of, uh, they are our highest rated uh, group of five team already, just from a team strength, Perspective. They are loaded at the offensive skill positions. They played good defenses at times as well. Cincinnati is is still very good. They've they've played really well under Luke Fickle. They've uh, they ranked twenty eighth in team performance. They've been outgaining their opponents. Uh, they only rank fifty third in net yards per play, but they're still outgaining their opponents by by about half a yard, but Memphis has, has really been one of the elite teams in that metric. They actually rank ninth in the country. They're outgaining gaining their opponents by about two yards per play. Uh, And and that's big. I mean, that, that is an elite level. So uh, Memphis is favored here. uh, And I think that is well-deserved, but Cincinnati uh, does have a defense that limits big plays. That is going to be a big factor this week. I think personally, they will be able to keep this close, uh, but uh, Memphis is is one of the most talented teams in the conference, in the G5. Uh, they are certainly deserving, if they are to knock off uh, Cincinnati here and then get a win in the conference championship game, certainly, I think, deserving of, of that spot in the New Year's Six. So it uh, would not surprise me at all if this is a close game. Our numbers do see it as a little bit closer than the odds makers do, but this is a really, really good Memphis team, and, and our numbers are a bit skeptical on Cincinnati. So uh, on the flip side, it wouldn't surprise me if Memphis were to win by two touchdowns either. So kind of a, a difficult game to, to peg, uh, but we like Cincinnati to keep it a little bit closer uh, than the, the oddsmakers do, but we do expect Memphis to win.
0: Xavier, how do you see this one playing out? This is a tough one, but 11.5-point favorite Memphis is.
2: I mean, I think that's correct for what it should be. I think Memphis's offense has done nothing, but show you that they're capable of putting up 40 points a game, um, throughout their last five games, they put they've put up 40 plus, uh, this includes a game against Houston, obviously the, the, the game for game day against SMU as well. Uh, this, this Memphis team, th- that offense just continues to click. And for me, Nick, Nick hit it right on the head when he said Cincinnati's offense has slowed down. And that would worry me if I'm a Cincinnati fan or, if, you know, um, and, I, and I'm and I'm rooting for the Bearcats on Saturday on Friday, excuse me, because I think they're going to have to keep up with Memphis in this game. I think Memphis has is first off they're at home, so there's no inclement weather that they could possibly be facing by going up to Ohio. Um, you know they'll be able to play in their normal uh, routine and all of that, and, and and that bodes well for an offense that continues to fire on all cylinders. And it's going to take Cincinnati to really put up points. I don't see that the game. I don't see this game being low scoring at all. I think it's going to be somewhere. I think. For Cincinnati to win, they're going to have to put up 35, at least, minimum, uh, to win this ballgame. Um, I think Memphis gets the job done with another 40-point performance. I know the Cincinnati defense has been good all year, um, but they did give up 43 points to Eastern Carolina, uh, which does give does show me that they are permeable. Uh, they haven't been um, 100% excellent all year, and an East Carolina team that no nobody would say is a, is a, a powerhouse by any means uh, was able to put up 43 on the road against them so uh or excuse me at home but um i think memphis wins this game 11 points is more than i think more than correct Uh, i see them winning by two touchdowns
0: all right well let's go over to the biggest one of the week the biggest one i mean I don't know that it has the luster uh, of the rivalry that it always has. Ohio State and Michigan, but a lot on the line again this year. Ohio State on the road against Michigan. Ohio State is a nine-point favorite in this game. 49.5 points is the over here. And I think what I was reading is it's been seven Ohio State wins in a row. And Mm -hmm. Michigan has won three times since 2000, Nick. So this um, this is not really as big of a rivalry when you win 16 out of 19 times. You know, it's not really a rivalry that much anymore. It's more of a, um, you know, Michigan has to come in kind of hanging their head as far as the matchup goes. Uh, I think they got blown out last year and two years ago was the one with the weird call at the end. Right. Was, yeah, like, the, the yeah.
1: JT Barrett. Yes. Uh, yeah. getting, down you know, the did he get the first down?
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, so th- this one, this one's going to be a lot of fun to watch, but how do you see it playing out? I, I do think
1: it'll be fun to watch, and, and it's a little bit unfortunate looking back that Michigan, um, you know, stumbled so badly against Wisconsin and, and then uh, lost to Penn State. And, and right. you know, both of those are quality opponents, but... If we think back to the preseason, there was so much talk about okay, you know, this is the year that Michigan beats Ohio State. They were project, you know, they were the the media pick to win the Big Ten. A a lot of the uh, preseason magazines had them winning. Our uh, preseason projections actually had Michigan winning this game, or or should we we said that they would be favored in this game in large part due to the home field advantage, but also uh, we didn't really know what to make of Ryan day and, and Ohio state had played really well under him as a, an interim head coach when urban Meyer was suspended. But otherwise we really treated him as a first time, first year head coach. And so we were pretty, you know, we were lower on Ohio state than a lot of people, even though they were right there with Alabama, as far as having the the strongest roster in the country. And, and uh, right now, You know, because of Tua's injury, we do take injuries into account in roster strength. Uh, Ohio State is number one uh, easily. They they are the most talented roster uh, from player one to one hundred. They are uh, as good as it gets, and they have played like a number one team full season. They are our number one ranked team as far as team performance goes, uh, and and they really haven't slacked off. I mean, they're they're maybe their uh, least impressive performance might have been last week in a lot of ways that they just they looked like they were uh, capable of beating beating themselves putting the ball on the ground and and letting Penn State get back in but even then it never really seemed to me like they were in danger I mean they've they've got the best player on the field on both sides of the football pretty much anytime they step on that field you know Chase Young is I've said before the best player in college football I think that's true and and he just continues to perform uh, anytime he's out there is just a, a uh, just a problem for opposing offenses and and uh, Michigan though they do have uh, a lot of talent on the offensive line and and they have made a lot of progress on offense they they are going to I think struggle against uh, Chase young and, and that front seven but then also the Ohio State secondary is arguably the best in the country. I mean, this is the number one rated defense in just about any statistical uh, metric that you're going to look at. And, and they stack up with anybody in the country at any position. There's really no weakness. So um, at this point, our numbers are are really, really high on Ohio State. Um but one thing that caught my eye this week, Michigan uh, has made a lot of progress since that Wisconsin loss, which was all the way back in week five. So we've had uh, you know a, a period most teams played eight or nine games since then. In that period, Michigan has posted an average game grade using our team performance uh, equation uh, of 90 point, Eight, 5 which is actually the fifth best in the country. So since Wisconsin, and that includes the loss to Penn State, they've played like a top-five team. They've played like a playoff contender. They are currently, over the last nine or ten weeks, playing like the team we thought they could be in the preseason when our numbers thought that they would uh, have a, a real chance to win this game. So I'm a bit torn uh, because of that, because our numbers have have. Uh, really caught on to Ohio State so much that we actually had them favored uh, more uh, closer to a two-touchdown uh, favorite. But then on the other hand, if I'm if I'm kind of closing down, looking at the last two months, kind of forgetting that uh, how Michigan really struggled coming out the gate uh, offensively, then I, I start to think, well, maybe this is a Michigan team that can give Ohio State trouble. Um, but I, I do rely on our numbers. I, I do. Uh, respect Ohio State's just overall dominance this year. They have played like the number one team in the country. Uh, So I'm not at all surprised that our uh, projected final score is Ohio State 31, Michigan 17. Uh, Again, I I feel like I'm probably going to say this a lot today. It would not shock me if Michigan were to pull off an upset. Um, But uh, it, it would be surprising just based on how dominant this Ohio State team has been this year.
0: Xavier, so, how do you see this one playing out? Like I said, not the biggest rivalry uh, as far as records go anymore with Ohio State kind of dominating this matchup in uh, over the last decade, really. But mm-hmm. uh, Justin Fields, little banged up. I mean, they're saying he's fine, but what would you expect him to say? Uh, so how do you see it going?
2: Well, this is my first of many in what I think is going to be the craziest weekend of college football. I've got Michigan winning this ballgame. Um, I think – First and foremost, what we have to see is Michigan has nothing to lose coming into this game. I think Michigan throws everything at Ohio State, throws the kitchen sink at them. And I think that them being at home will help out in this ballgame. Um, Ohio State has yet, for me, I think Michigan's offense has come around. And I think that that's the most important thing. If Michigan even had won the last four games, but they all had have been close, I, w- I would have been less inclined to say that, you know, Michigan had an opportunity to win. However, since... Um, Since that loss to Penn State, they've put up 35 plus in each game since, and that includes an absolute romper rooming of a Notre Dame team that you know for most for a lot of people still is a is a pretty good ball club. Um, I think Michigan finally gets over the hump. I love Ohio State. I think that they're the most talented team in college football right now. However, there's just something about rivalry week that I think. This Michigan team is going to be up for it. They're going to have absolutely nothing to lose. And I think Ohio State, you know, you're right. Justin Fields is a little banged up. That might come into it. I don't know what the weather is going to be like, but if it's another wet day with an injured hand, how does that affect his ability to run? How does that affect his ability to throw? Uh, I think what makes Justin Fields so great is his ability to leave the pocket, but if he's scared to leave the pocket simply because he's scared to run with the ball in that hand and he can't switch hands uh how does that uh favor that favors michigan um and i think that michigan gets over the hump for for the first time in you know the hardball era he he gets a w against his the most hated rivals um in the big 10 for them
0: that's uh i mean i just (laughs) i don't even know what to say here Uh, i michigan look they're peaking at the right time and I'll mm-hmm. give you that. I think that they're playing their best football right now. And maybe we can say Ohio State isn't. But I just don't think that Michigan at their peak can beat uh, you know this Ohio State team not even at their peak. I think what has to happen is Fields has to leave the game for Michigan to have a real well, chance. And that could happen. He's already a little banged up. So I was
2: going to say, we saw an Arizona State team beat a, a, a quarterback who's probably going to go top 10 in this year's draft this past weekend and probably had no business doing it. So, I mean, I don't think
0: that Justin Herbert's going in the top 10 after that game. So we'll we'll see. Uh, (laughs) But uh, he, he has, he has to play a lot better than he did in that one. But uh, uh, I'm, uh, I love, I love that you're predicting it. I just, I can't, I can't get on that boat with you because I think you've drilled a hole in it. So no, thank you. <laughs> um, Alabama and Auburn, Nick, in the Iron Bowl. Alabama favored only by three and a half points, obviously, because you no know, Tua. We got Mac Jones in his first road start ever. 50 points is the over in this one. This should be a fun, um, a, a fun game to watch for sure. Who are you picking in the Iron Bowl this year?
1: So our numbers see a pretty big gap here. And we certainly, again, I, I always mention that we uh, do take injuries into account. So Alabama has fallen quite a bit as far as overall roster strength goes. They are now down to number six in the country as far as the, the strongest roster. And that's, that's a pretty big fall. I mean, usually you don't see teams lose uh, you know, five spots, but that's how good Tua was. Nevertheless, we do have Alabama favored by double digits. And that concerns me a little because I was uh, quite surprised that this number opened about three and it's it's gone up to uh, four at one point, but then it has come back down to three and a half. So um, it makes me a little bit nervous that it's that close because I think Alabama though they are banged up, obviously, at quarterback, but they've suffered uh, some key injuries on uh, the defensive line. Uh, they've had uh, wide receivers in and out of the lineup a couple of times this year. Uh, so it does it does concern me a little bit. And I know Auburn is a very difficult place to play. I know they've got one of the top, most talented defenses in the country, so uh, and and also, I remember we had this same conversation uh, talking about Alabama and LSU. We had Alabama as a, a pretty heavy favorite, differed uh, quite a bit with what the odds makers uh, had to say, and, and obviously we got that one wrong. So, all of that said, um, we do have Alabama favored to win this game by uh, 12 points, almost two touchdowns, and uh, I think Mac Jones has been. Just fine, you know. I think I think he's been uh, he's done a good job of um, you know getting the ball out to the arguably the most talented receiving core in the country. He's got a solid offensive line in front of him. He's got uh, former five star running backs at his disposal. So I think the offense is going to be just fine. I am a little bit nervous about the injuries on defense, especially the defensive line, but I haven't been uh super impressed with auburn offensively they you know bo bo nicks has played like a true freshman at times he's shown flashes of brilliance at times but he's also uh shown you know he that he's capable of making mistakes auburn has not been a dominant running team as as we've seen them in, in certain times in the past um so the more i I look into each individual matchup and and sort of you know what the numbers say from uh, is Alabama really um, still one of the top ten rosters in the country? yes, they are. Uh, Auburn, meanwhile, we have ranked twenty second in roster strength. That's a pretty big gap and and probably a little lower than than a lot of people might expect. and it's because of. You know the offense. Um, It it just hasn't quite been up to speed. Auburn has played like a top fifteen team. They rank fifteenth in team performance, but Alabama has been number three. And the last couple of weeks, they they we haven't seen a drop off. And you know, we talked before they played Western Carolina last week. That's not going to impress anybody but uh, they took care of business. I think I said last week that I expected them to just sort of uh, sleepwalk through that game and, and just kind of try to get out as quickly as they could uh, but they did not they, they wanted to, to come out and uh, really dominate a an inferior opponent and, and I took that as a, as a pretty good sign. Auburn is obviously going to make a uh, make it tougher for them. It's going to be tougher than Mac Jones, um, in his first start against Arkansas, but I've seen enough from Mac Jones in those two games to to make me think that the drop off is not just enormous. Yes, it's a drop off uh, from Tua. He's one of the best players in college football uh, the last two years. He's been incredible. Um, But I I do think that Mac Jones is capable of leading this team to a win. I think they're capable. uh, He is capable of leading them to uh, a fairly impressive win. And is, you know, they're trying to make their case that even though they got left out of the SEC championship game, that they are one of those uh, top four best teams, whatever that means. Uh, I think they're going to, if they see an opportunity they are going to not necessarily be content with a win. They're going to try to make it an impressive win. And so uh, all those factors combined have come I've come around a little bit to what our numbers are saying, what our projection is. And, and I certainly could see it playing out this way with about a two touchdown uh, Alabama win. Again, wouldn't be shocked if if you know the the environment in Jordan Hare Stadium is is just electric. If Mac Jones plays like an inexperienced quarterback, uh, he is the you know the least inex- uh, the least experienced quarterback of the two at this point because Knicks has been starting all year. But uh, again, I, the more I think about it, the more I look at different things, the more comfortable I, I am. I do think Alabama gets this win, and I do think it's going to be uh, a touchdown or more.
0: Xavier, you said that you think this weekend is going to be uh, the most insane weekend in college football this year. Does that mean that you are giving the Iron ball over to Auburn again?
2: Yeah, dang right. Um, <laughs> I I I don't know what the numbers say about Mac Jones, but I'm going to go off of base what Bama fans have said about Mac Jones, and they don't like the kid. They don't think he's ready. They don't think he's going going to be prepared for a ball game like this I talked to several Alabama fans when Tua went down the first time and every single one of them was not scared they were terrified to have him behind center I don't know if they've seen something I don't but I definitely trust their judgment over mine um I think Mac Jones is going to have it's gonna be I think it's gonna be you know bad It's. it's it's gonna be trial by fire. This this Auburn defense is is not to be played with. They held an LSU team that's averaged thirty five plus pretty much in every other game this season, a- including against Alabama to twenty three points. Uh, they held the Georgia team to twenty one. Uh, they held they they held or- they held Oregon to twenty one as well. This Auburn defense is for real. Uh, they're tenacious. That front four is ridiculous. They're gonna be getting after the quarterback all night. And for Alabama, the thing that's going to really tell me whether or not they can win this ballgame is if they can run the football. Um, they they have to run the football. Mac Jones, even in the two games he's played, they've put him in very game-manager-esque uh, styles. Even against Western Carolina last week, he only threw the ball 12 times. Um, and obviously against Arkansas, he only threw the ball— Uh, 22 times so in those in both those games you clearly see that they don't necessarily trust him with going over 30 plus passes and I think this is the game that finally Bo Nix has since the Oregon game where he performs his magic Uh, Gus Malzahn as we all know is probably going to open whatever magical playbook he has just for this game we'll probably see a couple of reverses some option routes maybe a flea flicker to start the ball game off if it happens don't say I didn't tell you so I think right now, Gus also understands that if he loses this game to Alabama in you know embarrassing fashion, then his job, once again, will probably be on the line, according to a lot of Auburn fans. Um, I think Auburn comes away with a huge victory. I think this finally shuts Alabama fans up, obviously, with their second loss of the year. Um, and yeah, I think Mac Jones just isn't prepared for a game like this against this defense. Um, I think in any other circumstance, if it was maybe Auburn's offense that they should be worried about, and their defense has been okay, maybe, but... This defense is ridiculous, and I think Mac Jones is going to suffer because of it.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I was completely against you in, in the Ohio State-Michigan one. This one, I think, could be a little bit closer. Remember, I thought yeah, Auburn, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought Auburn <laughs> was going to beat LSU earlier, and they played LSU real tough in that game. So if you can slow down Alabama, you know what, Xavier? I think I'm on Auburn's side. I, yes! I, I, I think I'm going to take Auburn in this game. So... I think it's going to be real close, but I'm going to give them the slight edge with uh, Mac Jones on his first road start in the biggest game, obviously, of his life. Uh, I think the nerves get to him a little bit. And uh, the and this is, once again, this is how uh, Malzahn keeps his job, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I feel like Auburn fans have wanted him gone for a while. But, um, or at least a a big sect of of Auburn fans have wanted him gone for a while. But I think he's going to stick around uh, after they win this game. Uh, moving on no he- holes in this boat. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. So moving on here to a, a big 10 matchup. And we've talked about both these teams uh, ad nauseum, but they, they're they're ranked and they're both really good. It's the nine and two Badgers on the road against the Gophers uh, at 10 and one. They are favored by three points. Wisconsin is in this game on the road. Nick, uh, are they going to pull out this road win? So
1: Wisconsin has been a, a difficult team for me to put my finger on this year, uh, based on how they played last season when when they really uh, disappointed. They started the year with playoff aspirations, Big Ten championship aspirations, and and were ranked pretty high in the preseason. They got past two you know uh, cupcake non conference games, uh, and then they got upset at home by BYU, and and that sort of uh, put them. You know, cinema in a tailspin a bit. They uh, just couldn't get on a roll. Uh, they lost to Michigan. Uh, they lost to Northwestern, Penn State, and then uh, the big one at the end of the year. They lost to Minnesota, and it was a game that that Minnesota sort of um, really. It, it was a bit of a coming out party for the Gophers under. P.J. Flack. They were able to, to become bowl eligible with that. Um, they were able to, to carry that momentum um, into the bowl season, pick up a big win, and then obviously we have seen what has happened this year. Um, Minnesota has played very, very well. They have uh, posted the uh, number 18 team performance rating this season. P.J. Flack has worked his way into the top 20 in our head coach ratings. Uh, they have Outgained their opponents by about a yard and a half on uh, net as far as net yards per play which is also in the top 20 but Wisconsin has played like a top 10 team in non-conference again they played a a bit of a cupcake schedule but they just blasted their non-conference opponents Uh, they beat Michigan this year uh, in in you know, one of the more impressive games that I remember at that point was was completely on board with Wisconsin as uh, a playoff contender. They were playing like a top five team through the first half of the year, and then they lost to Illinois. They get blown out by o- by Ohio State. Uh, but since then they they've uh, right, you know, they, they, they've they gotten back and, and gotten uh, moving in the right direction heading into Minnesota. So this is a team that uh, comes in with a, a bit of a roster strength edge over Minnesota. Um, like I said, they've, they've played uh, their number 10 in 10, uh, team performance. Uh, Paul Crist is a top 25 head coach according to our ratings. So um, they, they've been a team that, uh, you know, is worthy of their record. This has been a big bounce back year for them. Um, uh, you know the the uh, Big Ten West is on the line, and they want revenge. This is a revenge spot, so uh, I understand why Wisconsin is favored. But on the other hand, Minnesota uh, playing at home, where we saw. Uh, A bit of of, uh, what that home field atmosphere can be against Penn State earlier this year. This is uh, a big rival. Um, uh, uh, The Big Ten West is on the line for them as well. They've been excellent on offense, and and that was a a question of mine coming in. Uh, We had Minnesota uh, in the uh, mid-40s, mid-to-back-40s, in the preseason. And and a big part of my concern was the quarterback position. I didn't really believe in Tanner Morgan. He wasn't even projected to be the starter until Zach Aniksted, uh went out. But he has been uh, incredible in a lot of ways. They haven't asked him to do too much. He's just getting the ball to his playmakers. And, and they have one of the best wide receiver duos in the Big Ten, if not the best, uh, in Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman. They've got a a lot of depth at running back. The offensive line has improved dramatically, and Tanner Morgan has, has really played his way into uh, being one of the more productive passers in the Big Ten. He actually uh, ranks sixth in the country in passer rating and he ranks fifth in yards per attempt, which uh, is probably one of the more shocking things that I've seen all year is just how well he has played. He has uh, been very, very accurate and he's really led this team. Uh, They have grown tremendously over the course of the year offensively. They are a dangerous uh, offensive team. Wisconsin, Looked really, really dangerous offensively early in the year. Then during that, you know, two-game losing streak, started to hiccup a little bit. Uh, they relied really heavily on one guy, Jonathan Taylor. They have shown uh, Quentin Cephas his, his uh, reemergence as a receiver has been big for them. He's had some big games. Uh, Jack Cohn has played well a lot of the year, but he has not been as consistent. Uh, a bit surprising to me, it's not been as consistent as Tanner Morgan. So, taking that into account, taking the home field into account, and then I was a a little bit surprised to see that our numbers actually have Minnesota as a slight favorite. They're about uh, a, a little less than half of a point favorite, and a big part of that is the two and a half points they get for home field advantage, but I do think that that's going to be a factor. Weather is going to be a factor, um, I, I'm not sure exactly how bad it's going to be, but just before we got on, I saw uh, a report about some uh, pretty heavy re- uh, weather headed in to Minneapolis. So that can always make funny things happen. But uh, at this point, see a pretty low-scoring game. Our final score projection is uh, 21-20 with Minnesota getting uh, a, a slight upset win.
0: All right, Xavier, how do you see this one playing out? I mean, Nick said possibly some weather. I don't know. I feel like this is a. I feel like Wisconsin has gotten back on track, and uh, you yeah, know, uh, that's how I kind of feel about this game. But uh, I don't. I don't know. What are your thoughts?
2: That's exactly where I was going. I think Wisconsin wins this ball game. Uh, Nick, to kind of go to your weather aspect, it's going to be eighty-eight percent, ninety percent precipitation uh, possibilities on Saturday uh, with rain and snow in the forecast for Minneapolis. Uh, with a high of 37. Uh, that oh, that almost completely solidified my argument for Wisconsin as I think that Jonathan Taylor is going to have his, uh, barring the uh, barring poss- the Big Ten Championship game, his last best game for Wisconsin. I think he goes out there and rushes once again for another 200-yard performance and Wisconsin defense shows up again. Uh, this is a defense that up until, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we really had them in, in the, the Ohio State game where they kind of got you know, stomped it to the ground. Wisconsin's defense has been impeccable all year. Uh, we, we, They had those back-to-back losses to Illinois and Ohio State, and people kind of just forgot about Wisconsin. But what you can't forget about is you can't forget about a, a defense that has been relatively great all year, barring the Ohio State game. That's the only game that they've given up 30-plus um, in all year. Uh, when you look at that offense, it's obviously Jonathan Taylor and company. And I think what gives it to me more on Wisconsin side is that they have experience. I think going into the, this game, uh, the guys on that roster have been in big games um, all season, it seems like, especially with the way that they've been playing. Um, I think they understand that they win this game. They get another shot at an uh, Ohio State team that really embarrassed them on national television, uh, where Wisconsin, for a lot of people, were, were at pretty much at the, at the peak of their powers, um, although they had just come off that loss to Illinois. They have an opportunity right here to get revenge, uh, to win the Big 10 West and get that chance against Ohio State um, in the Big 10 championship game. And I think that's going to drive them to a victory on the road. Um, I think the weather is going to come into the aspect, as we know, Minnesota's uh, passing game has been their deadliest part of their game um, in big games this year. And I think that with the weather, you know, if it's a torrential downpour or if there's snow, it's going to be harder for them to get going. Um, As a former receiver, catching in the cold is like taking bullets to the hand. It's not good. It's not fun. Uh, You do it because it's your job, uh, but it's not something that you like to do. Um, I think Wisconsin gets this win, and uh, they end up in the Big Ten championship game, which is where we all had them before they lost to Illinois, anyways.
0: You know, it just makes me so thankful that uh, you know, living in Arizona, zero shares of that type of cold. Like I wore a jacket today because it got down to 55. So wow, that's uh, that that's that's cold for Arizona. So. Uh, it's been kind of gloomy here recently. you know it rained all last week and so now it's kind of like the official cooldown where it's it's winter for us. So it'll start getting cold. I, I, but I think I turned my heat on twice last year. so uh, <laughs> but the last game we have here is a big one, Nick, Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma is favored by 13. So the biggest line of all of these games that we've had today, uh, Oklahoma or the over is 69 and a half. I think this is an Oklahoma stomping. Um, I think Oklahoma State just <laughs> hasn't been playing up to par recently. They've had a quarterback questions. so how how do you see this one going?
1: well, uh, our our number actually is right in line with the odds makers. our Our official uh, projected final score, which we released to our patrons early in the week, was oklahoma forty one, Oklahoma State. 28 which would be right on the current number at that time oklahoma was a 12 point favorite so we were um you know the the opening line had come down quite a bit uh we've been high on oklahoma all year they spent a lot of the season in our top five i think they were number three uh basically in, until they lost and then they fall uh, fallen down into the five and six uh range the last few weeks but uh they are a a very very explosive offense one of the most fun uh offenses that i've uh watched this year they are capable of putting up points and yards uh, at will almost and uh it, it, it's been a lot of fun to watch but obviously they, they did come up short against kansas state and that pretty much has, has knocked them off uh you know pushed them out of the conversation or to the very fringes of it. So um, they, need a, they need a big win here. You know, the Big 12 needs a big win. They, uh, uh, Oklahoma State has been ranked in the top 25 by the uh, playoff committee the last few weeks. So this would be uh, a, a win over a ranked opponent for them. It would be a little bit of a resume booster. Um, but Oklahoma State has given Oklahoma uh, fits. You know, uh, Mike Gundy is uh, dangerous as an underdog. Uh, he knows Oklahoma very well. Uh, he has competed against Lincoln Riley several times, um, both when Riley was the offensive coordinator. Gundy, I'm sure, was, uh, you know, part of the defensive game planning for for those games, and then certainly uh, the two as head coaches, very familiar with one another. So that familiarity makes me uh, start to tilt a little bit toward Oklahoma State. But then uh, I brought it up last week that uh, I did a study in the preseason about games where uh, opponents are less than 100 miles from one another. And this is one of those situations. Oklahoma uh, will travel fewer than 100 miles to Oklahoma State. So uh, just think about all the things that go into that, their uh, their road trip, um, you know, it's a different type of road trip. It's going to feel a little bit more like a home game. They're probably going to stay in a familiar hotel the night before. Um, You know, it's not going to be travel by uh, plane and and all those sort of things. And this is something that, that... when I looked at it in the uh, preseason, the previous five years, the road team traveling fewer than 100 miles in one of these type of games uh, would cover the spread at over fi- uh, 65% of the time. And that makes me a little more confident in Oklahoma. Uh, I, I, you know, Rivalry games are, are always difficult. The home field advantage, you would think, would have an even bigger effect in a rivalry game, but according to, to these numbers, it really doesn't. So uh, that makes me think that um, you know maybe Oklahoma will go in and, and look to make a statement. You brought up the quarterback concern. At Oklahoma State, Spencer Sanders had a hand injury. Uh, doesn't seem, or he he is out of this game. I do believe. I think if he were to come back, I heard that maybe for the bowl game, but he should be out. Drew Brown, who looked decent last week, but uh, still was the backup for a reason, and so um, that gives Oklahoma a little bit of a uh, a boost. And would you believe it if I told you that Oklahoma uh, is number one in the Big Twelve? In total defense, that uh, came up in my uh, research this week, and and total defense boring. is obviously a flawed <laughs> metric. Uh, you know, just the amount of yards you give up per game. Uh, they rank first in the Big Twelve. They actually rank second in yards allowed per play, which is uh, or excuse me, they rank third in yards allowed per play behind mm-hmm. Baylor and Iowa State, which is uh, more indicative of how a, a defense actually performs, but. Statistically speaking, you know, they, they've been a pretty good Big 12 defense this year. So uh, we saw Chuba Hubbard get, uh, you know, he, he slowed down a little bit last week. They are obviously going to be limited somewhat by uh, having Spencer Sanders on the sideline. They played without Tylen Wallace for the last half of the year. So this is not Oklahoma State uh, at its best. So all of that said, Uh, I am leaning personally a little bit more toward Oklahoma. I think this is a game they win. I do think it's a game that they could cover. But, as I've said, I think four times already in the other four games would not shock me at at all if if, uh, uh, especially a Mike Gundy-coached Oklahoma State team makes this a a very difficult task. Um, But I I really don't see an upset here. I think Oklahoma wins this game. Um, Jalen Hurts has been uh, really... I mean, they leaned on him uh, so much this year. I, I don't know if you guys saw the uh, news conference that the, the uh, when Gundy met with reporters earlier this week, and he started running through numbers of past Oklahoma quarterbacks and how many uh, plays that they were directly involved in as a passer or a runner. And and uh, Jalen Hurts is just head and shoulders above basically any oklahoma quarterback in in recent memory and he was he was uh uh comparing him to a triple option quarterback he was saying he is a triple option quarterback just you know they disguise the it as spread
0: right yeah. <laughs> and uh and,
1: and so you know you they've they've really relied on Hertz a lot and he has performed i mean he's he's put up uh incredible numbers this year um they came up short once against kansas state Last week against TCU, they, they did stumble a little bit to put that game away. But, uh, you know, I, I, I do feel good. I've, I've felt very good about Oklahoma all year. So it would not surprise me at all if they win this game by two touchdowns or more. Uh, so I am leaning that way. Again, it wouldn't, you know, wouldn't shock me if uh, Oklahoma State, it, it would it would be a surprise if they pulled off the upset, but uh, it would not really be a surprise if they keep it close but I do think Oklahoma is good enough to win this game and uh, probably has a little bit better case obviously they beat Baylor earlier this year going back to our previous conversation uh, has a little bit better of a, a a chance of getting into that playoff conversation ahead of Baylor um, they would certainly have to take care of business in that game next week but uh, I do think that there's a case to be made as if somebody you know some of these upsets that Xavier's Uh, predicting come to pass I think Oklahoma has a a decent shot to get in there and this is the last you know big game of the day it's the only one in that primetime eight eastern uh, window so they'll know the results of of these earlier games so I I think that could potentially uh, come into play and they go out try to make a statement so uh, I feel pretty comfortable with us saying that uh, Oklahoma will cover uh, and win.
0: Xavier, I mean, you've made a lot of bold predictions today. Is yeah. is Oklahoma State over Oklahoma going to be one? I can't imagine that it is.
2: No, it's it's not. I'm, okay. I'm not that crazy. Um, um, however, I wouldn't be shocked if it happened. I just think the Oklahoma State, as Nick alluded to, is a little bit too beat up for me to go ahead and, and make that bold prediction. If Oklahoma State was healthier, obviously, I think I would be more inclined to choose them. Tyler Wallace being healthy, their starting quarterback being in. Um, I think I... I I definitely, especially with Mike Gundy, uh, I'm a man, I'm 40. I think he definitely would have a, a, a greater chance of beating them uh, this week. I think Oklahoma has been marginally overrated over the last month uh, um, out of their last four wins. None of them have been impressive whatsoever. Uh, TCU, uh, Iowa State, Baylor, um, and Kansas State, which was the one loss out of the last four. They've all been a one-score victory for Oklahoma or a one-score loss. I think Oklahoma's coming into this game quickly. Uh, sputtering a bit um as good as Jalen Hurts has been what he hasn't been good at this year is holding on to the ball um at least in the last four games um he's fumbled the ball a significant amount Um, obviously we all watched the Baylor game he's had an interception in the last two games um I think that that bodes well for the Oklahoma State defense that is going to have to be opportunistic if they're going to win this ball game Uh, but overall I think Oklahoma has too much talent um cd lamb is healthy and is ready to go he scored last week um i think he's uh, got to be at least if not the best receiver in the country at least top two top three um i think he has a great day um and i think it's gonna take for chuba hubbard to have one of the best games of his entire life if oklahoma state wins wins this ball game um i hope it's a good game because it is the only prime type matchup that at least matters as far as the playoff is concerned uh so i hope it's not a a a buck kicking for oklahoma but oklahoma too much talent and they get the job done
0: I, I I think it's going to be Oklahoma in a stomping. But I, I like the points that you guys make. You can't count out a Mike Gundy team at any point. So, uh, But that is going to wrap it up for uh, the regular season. Everything else is postseason from here on, right? Absolutely, Absolutely yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> yeah uh yeah and we'll be back next week it's just uh this isn't like the CFF shows where we're taking a break or anything I mean I think next week we're gonna have a lot of conference championships to talk about and stuff like that maybe go over some awards and, and things of that nature uh you know on our way towards the bowl games as well but before we take off remember you can find us on the Twitter at bogman sports for me at CFP winning edge for Nick. At Xavier underscore Trish T R I C H E for Xavier. But before we go, Nick, tell us about the Patreon.
1: Yeah, and I, I've I've been a little off today. I'm sure everybody has noticed out there, and and I think part of what might be to blame is I've I've already started to shift. I've got one eye on 2020 already, and and uh, that is uh, you know working for our patrons, trying to get our uh, FPS team profiles ready to go as soon as possible. Uh, So, so that my uh, loyalties, unfortunately, have been a little bit uh, divided between 2019 and and 2020, but I I, uh, am excited for the conference championships. I'm excited for the bowl season. And the big reason for that is last year, we, we absolutely uh, just cleaned up during the bowl games. So, we we do have a little bit of time to you know to stop to, to look at uh, certain things to really research. I'm excited about what we're going to be able to, to provide here on the pod for uh, the championship weeks and the bowl season. But uh, if you are interested, if you haven't joined us yet on Patreon, CFB Winning Edge, uh, or excuse me, Patreon.com/slash CFB Winning Edge. Uh, one thing to keep in mind: last year there were 39 bowl games, and our uh, computer projections, our final score. Predictions were 25 and 14 against the spread. So, if you're doing, you know, a bowl pool or, or uh, something like that, or you're just looking to to make things interesting late in the year, uh, consider checking us out. We've got a, a pretty strong track record. Our results last season were, were absolutely incredible, and we've seen some progress over the course of the year. So, uh, feeling good about how our Ratings are shaping up, our, our uh, injury updates on our team profiles and all that. So if you'd like to check us out here late in the year, and then if you want to see uh, a, a sneak peek and an early look at 2020, uh, do consider checking us out, patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge. We're going to be going strong all off season as well, and, and hope you join us there.
0: All right. That's going to wrap it up. Uh, Hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving and good luck uh, with all of your bets this final week of the regular season. Take it easy, everybody.